We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Back is Valentine's Day week. The love is in the air. And to share this love, AJ Springer is joining the show. Another member of the Reverse Rat Pack. The, the crew is deep right now in the streets. AJ, say what up. What's going on, everybody? And we have a non-cranky Andreas Hale this week. He may be an old man. Congrats on the birthday, by the way. But right now, he just came back from a lovely facial that he uh, wants to tell everyone about. That That's real grown man game right there, getting a facial. Yeah, man. I mean, shit. I'm getting old. So, you know, the wife 
took care of me. I got a, a manicure and a pedicure. And then I went and got a facial. And when I got a facial, they gave me a glass of whiskey before I got started. So I just got back from that. So I'm dumb relaxed. So uh, I'm not as agitated as I usually am. But I'm sure by the end of the show, you'll do something to piss me off. Wait, you say they gave you a glass of whiskey? Not a glass of wine, but, but whiskey? No, whiskey, bro. Like straight <laughs> whiskey. That, like uh, up, not even on the rocks before we got started. So I, I went to sleep. I have a question. Going into a facial with a bald head, do they like massage your head as well? Like, what does this entail? Yes, man. Like, I mean, come on, man. You get the works. I mean, you gotta, you gotta massage the, the dome piece. Like, and that, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Look, look. You just got up on brunch recently. Um, you wisened up to the wise ways of the elder statesmen of this world. So go get yourself a facial with a massage. Do I don't know. Have you done the manicure or pedicure yet? I've done the pedicure. The manicure is not nothing new. Like the manicure is cool. The, I did the pedicure. That was luxurious. At my my feet in the soaking tub, they hit me with the the little pumice stone or whatever that is. Yeah. So the so. The, the the pedicure was on Deckington. That was, that was delightful. So I'll take I'll take your word for it. I need to get the the facial going. We'll, we'll see what's good. Yes, you man. Be the, you got to be an adult, man. This is adult. This is grown man work right here. So, um, yes. So, yeah, my, my birthday was uh, fantastic. I saw Black Panther. Uh, I'm feeling extra black and relaxed. So we can do this. I like it. I like it. We're breaking down the stereotypes of the angry black man one facial at a time. I like how we're doing that on this podcast. Uh, AJ, it is Valentine's Day. We, we see Dre is here, chilling, relaxed. He got his little surprise. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Eating pizza and drinking wine, man. We're going to see, uh, going to see Black Panther tomorrow, so it's going to be a relaxed day today. That, drinking wine with pizza. This is the grown and sexy episode of the Corner Podcast. Wine on deck, liquor straight, no rocks. I, I feel out of place. Yeah, man, all you got to do is put on D'Angelo's voodoo album and we in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this is taking it back right now. Um, going into the week, I'm not doing anything for Valentine's Day. My girl doesn't like the holiday, so it's cool. I got her a present like last week, spur of the moment. Uh, I usually go with just buy her a couple pairs of shoes. That, that's, that's my wave. Now, the shoe closet for her is a little bit too extensive. But uh, she'll figure that out. I, that's not my problem. So I'll just keep buying the shoes. She figured out what to do with them. Uh, so nothing planned for today. But that doesn't mean we haven't celebrated Valentine's Day in the past. What is the dopest thing? Like if you had to give the listeners like, yo, let me put you on game. This is how you get your lady, you know, right. And, and you make her happy on Valentine's Day. What's the dopest thing you've done for a girl on Valentine's Day? We'll leave Dre after this because he's going to try to hit us with some old school player Mac shit. <laughs> Like, you don't do nothing for girls. Uh, you know what, man? I was thinking about this when you when you hit me earlier. Like, I can't remember. I think, like, the dopest thing that I've done, like, you'd have to ask people uh, that I've done things for. I remember the dopest thing that was done for me. <laughs> what, what was that then? So back, uh, like, way back in college, like, 2004, um, yeah, I was dating somebody out in L.A., so I flew out there. Um, you know, hopped in the car, got blindfolded, woke up, we were at like a hotel, went to Disneyland for like the day for Valentine's Day, which was mad crowded, by the way. 
Disneyland on Valentine's Day is mad crowded. Did she fly you out? I flew out there. Okay, I was about to say now she's just breaking bread. I was about to say you, you and somehow Marcus find these women who love Disney World and love breaking bread. Uh, Marcus Vandenberg, next time he's back on a podcast, we shall ask him about his Mrs. Robinson, who just spent mad bread on him back in the day, and he has now ended up uh, the namesake in a book of hers. So let's just nah, leave it at were, that. These were like the Dutch days, man, where you you know you probably saving for a couple months to take these trips and everything. Oh, those are the the struggle days. I you got to appreciate that the, the the college days, Dre. Don't pull no Mac shit. I know you light skin. You, you used to have curls. I know you used to do something. What, what was the dopest Valentine's Day thing you've done? Yo, I honestly don't know. <laughs> Yo, I'm just going to be completely honest. I have no idea. I'm sure I've done something. Um, I'm pretty clever with these things, but, yo, I I have no idea. And that's the only cop out. Like, I've been, me and my wife have been together for mad years. And at this point, like, we we were talking to each other the other day. We it, for my birthday, went out with my daughter to have dinner, and we sat there for a minute. And I'm like, "Yo, what's left? <laughs> like, what else can we possibly do?" So we try to find new and creative ways. So I I really have no idea. Um, and then other bras, I didn't do shit. So there's that. <laughs> so, were, they, were they doing stuff for you because your birthday was right around the time? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean. That's that's a whole nother show in its entirety. <laughs> but uh, we'll leave that we'll leave that alone because that just pissed my wife off. So uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Just just know it was some it was some dope shit. That's all. It was something I probably traveled. Maybe I took it in Napa. I don't know. I did something dope. I feel like you've reached that point in being old where it, it's the blessed part of being washed. Where what's left is like you guys are gonna start taking like trips to Africa and shit and just. I'd be like, yo, Dre, where you at? Be like, yo, no podcast this week. I'm, I'm just chilling in front of the Sphinx and shit, like just hanging out. I mean, not to stun on you, but that's the plan. <laughs> See, <laughs> I knew it. You're in that point of life. That, yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm an adult, man. And I mean, you know, I'm in my 30s and, you know, I'm at the point where I'm closing in on the 40s soon. So it's like... I mean, I never thought I'd be this old to begin with. Like when you when you're like 17 and you look at your pops and shit, you be like, "Man, you're gonna die soon." And now I'm at that age, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna die. I'm just gonna enjoy this shit." So yeah, like Africa's definitely on deck. Um, I'm I'm going somewhere out of the country before the summer's over. So uh, that's just kind of how I roll. Yo, this guy, you're you're on that Jay Z 2002 shit where he just ditched the the jerseys for the button ups, trying yeah. to try to take that next level step. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, let's see. Me, I've I've done dumb shit on Valentine's Day, so I can't even. I was thinking about it. I was like, yo, I haven't even done anything dope. I've done dumb shit that I've always regretted. So uh, I bought my ex-wife a puppy one year for Valentine's Day. Um, we had to give it away like eight months later because she cannot handle taking care of a puppy. And I was wow. done with that shit. I'm not a pet person. So she begged me for so long, I better I bought her a puppy. She was so cute with that shit for like a week, and then she never paid attention to that puppy again. Nope. So that puppy was gone by the next Valentine's Day. Let's see, I proposed on Valentine's Day, which is the cheesiest shit you can ever do. And um, you can't get the ring if it goes south. No, I didn't get that ring back. But once again, I was broke. 
I got that ring on mad. I forgot where I got it. It was the dopest clearance though. It was a good ring, but it was dropped like eighty percent. And and I used my uh my Pell Grant to copy wow. it. So that's why I oh. proposed on Valentine's Day because the Pell Grant came back after the second semester. I copped the ring when when that money hit. And uh, spent the Pell Grant money, not all of it, because I was getting way too much money back. But I spent a good amount of that Pell Grant money on the ring, copped that, proposed, had like the, the pizza man come to the door. I ran downstairs, met the pizza box, put the ring in the pizza box, ran back upstairs, had her open the door for the pizza man. I was like, yo, did they order the pizza right? And then she looked, bow. Um, yeah, and that shit was just corny because it was on Valentine's Day. I was I was young and corny back in the day. Real life rom com. Yo, I, I was trying. Hey, people of the podcast know that has all gone south. Um, if you guys didn't hear the episode where I talked about how I now feel about my ex wife, then y'all got to go through the archives. But that shit was funny. Um, so yeah, now Valentine's Day has not been the greatest to me. I'm glad I no longer have to celebrate that. Uh, before we move on to people doing dumb shit, like I just explained, I do from time to time. Did y'all ever get curved on Valentine's Day? Never. He, what? <laughs> Look at smooth ass Dre. No, I'm just saying it was my birthday. You can't curve me on my birthday. I, no. <laughs> never. That, no, I've never been curved on Valentine's Day. So Not you, my entire. Never. No. Never. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that you have, which is why this question is here to most, begin with. Yeah, most people like who goes, you know, twenty for twenty from the field. Somebody shoots and misses sometimes. Man, I'm like Steph Curry from the free throw line. Like, I don't miss. <laughs> like, those, like, Valentine, I never got curved. No. And, and the other thing is, it's like, I'm very calculated. I don't take too many risks. I never did. Like, even my younger day, like, I just never really take risks. It, it, it needs to be pretty much a shoe-in. So I don't play myself on Valentine's Day. I don't play, I never played myself with, like, school dances. I never played myself in none of that shit. I knew what was coming. So, like, I was there to win. I don't, I don't, go, I don't take too many risks, man. It's like Dre said, it's the strategic shots, man. You can't be chucking them up from half court. Like for me, man, if, if I was dealing with somebody close to Valentine's Day, it was a fucking occasion. Like it was going all out, doing some some dope shit. Like she mentioned casually in conversation, I want to go here. I, I want to get this for myself. You go pick that stuff up and then you're the hero. Y'all yeah. are just upsetting me right now. Um. Which didn't happen too often in high school, don't get it wrong. Um, you know, I was, I was doing my thing in high school, but there was this one girl, Rolana. I'm not going to say her last name. So, Rolana. Oh, damn, you had to put her on blast. No, it is what it is. <laughs> so, Rolana, I'll spell that shit. R-E-E-L-A-N-A. So, Rolana, and I thought she was dope. She was Hawaiian. She kind of looked like uh, the Lilo and Stitch chick. Just imagine that, but in high school. So, she was Hawaiian and dope, and she was in like the little belly dance skirt group at our high school and i had the mean crush on her freshman year sophomore year comes around i'm like i right, dope uh she finally started opening up i went to her, her mom's crib like two weeks before the summer between my freshman and sophomore year i learned how to use chopsticks just because i knew i was going to meet her parents one time and i need to be prepared so to this day i know how to use chopsticks because of her i digress so i'm like cool i come to school i'm not even paying attention uh, we didn't do too much shit besides drink and party back then. So I wasn't too in tune with her life outside of school. 
Um, I came to school one day. I'm waiting at the bus stop. About to catch a bus all the way down Eastern for my people in Vegas. I was at Flamingo and Eastern, Ranches on Eastern and Owens. I got like a 15, 20 minute bus ride on the cat straight down there. And there's the little pop-up flower shops here in Vegas on the side of the streets. So it was like two dozen roses for like 30 bucks. I was like, yo. Did you get the bear too? I got the bear too. I got the little bear, the roses. I copped everything. I'm on the bus, like arms full of shit. So I'm on the bus, and we got like early bird and all that because we're in the magnet. So I get there. It's like 6 o'clock. All my friends are seeing me walk through the quad. I got all my stuff. I'm like, yeah. And I ain't tell no one who it was for. So I was like, okay, I'm going to walk up to her and give it to her. So I walk up in the quad in front of everybody. I give her all the stuff. She's like, okay, thank you. The bell rings. We got to go to class. Midway through fourth period, I see her walking. She ain't got none of the stuff. I'm like, yo, what happened? I'm like, okay, she left in a class. It's a lot of stuff to carry around. Someone's like, oh, you got that for Alana? I was like, yeah. They're like, oh, what her boyfriend think about it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, excuse me? <laughs> so they're like, yeah, like, you know, her boyfriend, uh, I'll say it, Colin. He was like in ROTC class and all this shit. So I remember... After school, he's carrying everything to the magnet buses. And I pull it to the side. I'm like, yo, what did I didn't even know you were going out with him. What did he say about that? She was like, oh, I told him it was from my cousin. Oh. And, you know, you just gave me everything. I was like, oh, cool. Cool beans. And after that, I just let them do their thing. I went about my thing. And to this day, to this day. I have not gotten a rando ass girl any present, let alone on Valentine's Day, just because that happened to me with you the ultimate. Get- and I never got that thirty dollars back. That was the worst thirty dollars I ever spent. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend and everything. We did an episode about people I still owe the fade. Her boyfriend is on that episode. Colin from ROTC. Just off of that moment, like I just felt like ah, ROTC ass nerd. That's what you get. Yeah, she's wax sauce for that one. Still, Milana, if you out there, I hope you never got flowers again, chump. Anyway, so <laughs> that's why that's why my Valentine's Day angst. Uh, I'm sure she has a beautiful family and stuff. You know, listen, do your thing, ma. Just uh, don't come this way. Hope you never get flowers. Let's talk about someone else who's been playing themselves. Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner Instagram. He's been going through the blues. He said, fuck my baby mama, my moms, everybody. And then turns out he went and got arrested. Dre, what's good with your boy? I mean, what's good with him? I mean, the guy, come on, man. Like, we're still talking about Adrian Broner's 2018. The guy can barely beat a decent fighter these days. And this guy keeps himself relevant. So, man, look, he was trouble when I met him. Like, when I shot that documentary with him back in, like, 2013, and I was told by somebody in his camp that, you know, if you can keep him on the, keep him on the straight and narrow, he'll be all right. But that's always been his problem. It was obvious back then. And, I mean, we see it now. I mean, he says he voted for Trump, son. Like, yo, he really, he really wanted to be Floyd Mayweather. Like, he really, like, because he, he, when I first talked to him, he was like, I'm going to beat Floyd Mayweather. He said, Mark my words. Me and Floyd are going to get in the ring. I'm going to beat his ass. But he wanted to be Floyd Mayweather. So he felt like he could do everything but not drink, not smoke, and put in the work ethic. Those are three things that Floyd does. Like, Floyd clowns around, 
but Floyd doesn't play when it comes to that training. Adrian plays, and he's playing himself, and he finds himself in trouble. I mean, it's not like Floyd wasn't in trouble, but we're looking at a guy here who is still under 30, I believe. Bro, is still like, what, 28? Yeah, he's, he's young. young. But I'm looking it up and, now. He's super young. I'm sure of it. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, like I said, he never improved in the ring. He still fights in the same style. And as an individual, he keeps himself in hot water. I don't know if he keeps the wrong people around him because you never hear anything about Robert Easter. And Robert Easter is the guy who used to roll with Broner. You never hear nothing about Nuke. You never hear nothing about none of those guys. But Adrian's always doing some dumb shit. Um, if this was the UFC, he'd be cut. But it's boxing, <laughs> so he's still here. Yeah, it's he's only, he's you know, 28. Yeah. 28. So he, he's, Damn. He's still got, he got a fight with Omar Figueroa, which is pretty much the you know win or go home type of fight because if he loses to Figueroa which Figueroa probably is a better fighter than Broner to begin with but like you lose this fight and just lost to Mikey Garcia yo it's really time to reconsider your life he's still spending money like it's water it's like yo he's a cautionary tale for every boxer out there that rap career is hot still man please MMG Broner's like the old school pro wrestling character of boxing like it's still real to him (laughs) <laughs> kayfabe ain't yeah. dead kayfabe's K-fabe alive it's terrible Floyd, Floyd is the sports entertainment era you know Broner's like that old school guy that's in character all the time and nobody forgot to think, people forgot to tell him that it, it was scripted yeah like he thinks his, like he's the he's a pro wrestler character that thinks his name is like Jake the Snake in real life like he's that guy like it's like, come on, son. Like you are, you are a human being. But he's like, no, I'm this guy, and I gotta be this guy all the time. Like, yo, you remember he was like, Black Lives Matter. I don't give a fuck about that. Like he was, he's on that tip, and now he it's coming back to bite him. It's like, when do you grow the fuck up? Never, <laughs> never, never. That reminds me of when we were at WrestleMania. We saw Brian Knobs, and the Nasty Boys live <laughs> on. Like he's forever a Nasty Boy. Yeah, like some guys are just, you know, they stuck. A frozen, and Broner's one of them. And again, he's got Figaro in a few months. I'm sure this grabbing this girl by vag- the vagina, like, man, I don't even want to talk about Adrian Broner anymore. He's not even <laughs> worth our time, man. We got better things to do. Uh Broner, man, he just—he is the entertainment, though, right? If he could win, the sideshow continues. His career I mean, ain't done. He, if, if he won consistently, he'd be on his way to being Floyd. But he—he's the personality without the work ethic. He's the perfect stepping stone. He's the yeah, heel he's that you need to put someone over. And as, if he could win this fight, he's going to be that same that same guy, man. I, yo, yo, he is Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker can't win a, a match to save his life, but he's still relevant. <laughs> so there you go. Adrian Broner is Bray Wyatt. Oh, the disrespect for Bray Wyatt in that statement. No, right? Like the the wrong person got disrespected, but it's true. At least at least Bray Wyatt can say, "Yo, they wrote me to lose." Like, son, you lose on purpose. Like, this is your life. But he's Bray Wyatt. The crazy thing, though, is that that Broner's. It feels like more Broner's got three professional losses under his belt. Yeah, like he takes life L's. And the thing about Broner is, is he's made a lot of money, which makes you always go back and wonder, what the fuck am I doing wrong with my life? Like, this dude's making all this bread, but. He's made a lot of money. He's still relevant. He'll still make money, but he's, you know, they don't mind giving money to people like Adrian Broner because you, you're never going to be a threat to society anyway. Like, you're never going to be a threat to the status quo. So I'll give you a million dollars to watch you fuck it off. And that's what Broner's going to do. Like, he'll be him and Chris Brown and let me, I'm trying to think of somebody else. I know him and Chris Brown are going to be in, like, celebrity rehab. They're going to be, like, 40 years old with the Bobby Brown mouth and shit. Like, that's going to be both of them. 
damn, what's wrong with Chris Brown now? I thought he was a changed man. He got a documentary on Netflix. Come on, son. Like, ain't nothing changed about Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Chris Brown, unlike Adrian Broner, Chris Brown is still making, at least for the kids, like decent music. Yeah, forty six song albums and shit. <laughs> like, somebody bought that shit. I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. I somebody, that shit. <laughs> I'm just saying, like Chris Brown, he's some guy. Like Chris Brown is one of those guys you got to take with social media away from. Him. And Adrian Broner is one of those guys like you got to take life away from him because he can't be in public because he doesn't know how to act. So. Like, we spend too much time on Adrian Broner. <laughs> yes, uh, we're going to talk about Black Panther, but you're not ruining this shit for me. So, uh, just thumbs up, thumbs down in the Dre voting this scale. Like, just, just oh. thumbs up, thumbs down. Listen, I went, I'm not going to go too in-depth, but I, I, I went and I tried, I didn't read a single review. I, I, I stayed away from everything. I muted a lot of the hashtags for Black Panther. Um... This might be the one. Of, this might be the best Marvel movie. It's up there with uh, Civil War. Both Captain America movies are the best Marvel movies. Civil War and Winter Soldier are the best Marvel movies, in my opinion. Um, but this is right up there with it. And the fact that it's like an all-black cast, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger is absolutely phenomenal. And it's not even just his acting; it's the way the story was written. Ryan Coogler as a director is excellent. You got to see this movie. Um, I'm not just saying it because it's black and it's Black History Month and we needed to see something like this. But, yo, it was it was two hours well spent. I saw it with a uh, theater. Listen, I went to the movie theater. There was a media screening and there were three black people there and 15 white people. That's how many people. I'm I'm, I'm not even bullshit because I counted them. There was 18 people at this theater. And the one of the white people said, and some people saw this, he said this on Twitter. We can't say anything bad about this movie because, like, I don't want to be that guy. Um, even if it is bad, I'm not going to say anything bad about it because all the black movies. And I have a problem with that because if it's bad, say it's bad. Like, if it's not good, say it's not good. But there is this thing now where white folks don't feel like they could say anything about this without any backlash. Fortunately, you know the movie what? is great. But you know what it is is that people, you know, one of the things that I that I used to remember that you told us, man, back at at, at DX way back in the day, is that your rating must be backed up by the words. And a lot of these reviewers are just trash. Like, if you can back up the shit that you say... I saw there's one. there was one bad uh, review on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, like, from a critic in Australia. But, like, most of the review is, like, praise for the acting. It's crazy. So he just felt like giving it a bad number. I think... Is that the review where the guy was, like, Black Panther didn't beat beat up enough bad guys or some shit like that? I gotta look it up and and, and see, but it was, it was something about like the action sequences and things like that. I will say this. I will say this. If there's anything to criticize about Black Panther, is there's a lot of CGI, and when there's a lot of CGI, some of it feels really cartoony. So that could be a criticism. But as far as the narrative is concerned, I mean, you can tell that this was handled with care by black people. Like you can. The, the conflict, everything will resonate much more with African-Americans than it will with other people. Because, like, Killmonger, for instance, the, Michael B. Jordan's character, without spoiling anything, there were people that left the theater that I was in that were confused as to why he was, like, well, he's a villain, but it's, like, the moral thing. But that's, like, that's like all Marvel movies. Like, all bad guys, like, even Magneto, it was a moral thing, it was a morality thing. But it will resonate differently for black people. Trust me when I say this. You will leave that theater and it will hit you differently than it hits a guy that is Caucasian. They may not understand Killmonger's motivations, but you will. 
Nah, that's dope. I can't wait to see it. Uh, and you know, you're you're very honest about it. You spent like mad time on the set of the Tupac movie and all this stuff, and then it came out, and you were like, yeah. Yeah, that was I was uh, that was unfortunate. How about that? <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, you know, you give it to the people straight. You ain't lying to them. So now nah, I can't wait oh, to oh. see it. I'm seeing it on Saturday. So before before we talk about combat sports, what people came here to listen to. I've listened to uh, today. I talked to Royce Five Nine and DJ Premier, and I listened to Prime Two like thirteen times in the past couple of days. It's fucking great. I hate you. Um, and and a little nugget because not enough people listen to this podcast to care and steal this information. The this the Prime album because it's Premier sampling Ant Man Wonder. I asked Royce and Primo if there was any other producers considered to sample their work, and it was Madlib originally. That blew my fucking mind. But they ended up going Ant-Man Wonder because they had a larger catalog to go, go from. The other thing, and I'm interviewing them tomorrow, is uh, I've been listening to the Jericho Jackson album, the Elzai and Crisis album. That shit is also phenomenal. And Elzai, for people who don't listen to Elzai, Elzai is probably one of the greatest MCs who disappears randomly at times. <laughs> he's, he's had like bouts of depression. And we've talked, me and him, we, we've talked about this in great length in the past, but this album is the first time he's actually been in the studio with another producer and been produced. And you'll hear it. It comes out, I believe, two weeks, 28th. But that, yo, two albums with one producer, one MC, Premier and Royce and Elzai and Crisis are fucking great albums. So when you, I'm just telling y'all now, go get that shit. My interviews will be on Billboard in the next couple of weeks. But plug. But uh, yeah, there's that. Isn't Talk that about- one of the people you bought to BET when you first got that job? To try to profile was Elzai? No. And they it told was, you no and turned you away? I, no, it was, it was Drake. Oh, I know the high profile people, but I thought you tried to bring like some underground oh. shit in there. And they were like, well, there nope. Pac Div. Pac Div, they played me on. Um, this is a long list. Nicki Minaj, <laughs> they played me on. Uh, <laughs> Nicki Minaj, Pac Div, uh, Big Poo. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Crisis was there with Big Poo. That, I think Crisis was there. I've brought a lot of people to the BET offices, and they were like, nah, we ain't fucking with that. But Drake was the Drake was the one. Drake, I called. I was like, yo, I'm bringing Drake to the office. And my boss was like, who the fuck is Drake? Go get Gucci <laughs> Man. Like, Gucci Man is better than Drake. And she, she looks like a dick now. Obviously, she don't work there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about UFC 221, combat sports. Uh, we'll run through it quick. It wasn't, you know, the deepest card, but I thought it was – Fairly entertaining. They had a lot of finishes. Um, we had some characters on there. But it ended with Luke Rocco getting knocked out. Uh, we had conversation in our group chat about Luke Rocco, the possible star. And he was bringing out this sider's personality, being the asshole that he really is in real life. And then he gets knocked out by the son of God, uh, who couldn't even weigh in correctly for a title fight. So, what's the worst part of this? Is it Luke losing? Is it Yoel Romero being heavy as fuck? Is there no interim champion, which we have a million of now? Or is it that the division is just at a standstill and we see a rematch of a fight that, honestly, in my opinion, the first two rounds were good, but at at the end, Rocco got out of class and couldn't take the guy down? You mean Romero? Oh, excuse me, Romero. Um, I guess I'll start and then I'll pass it off to you, AJ. Uh... Luke Rockhold, I'm not going to say he fought the wrong fight. Yeah, I am. I'm going to say he fought the wrong fight. Um, Luke Rockhold is an excellent grappler. 
And he's a pretty big guy. He's tall. But Romero's obviously fucking huge. But to f- sit there and to fight at range like he was, but fighting off his back foot and allowing Romero to explode and never giving Romero th- an idea that he was going to do something else was the worst possible decision he made. Uh, Romero is a guy who I believe he's had five or six knockouts in the third round. If you can get past the third round, you're good. And Rocco was fighting a good fight, but he never gave Rocco, I mean Romero, anything else to think about. So, one, it's great that there's no interim champion because we don't fucking need one because it's stupid. Two, uh, nobody really wants to see Romero and Whitaker again. Romero did miss weight. I don't give a fuck if Dana White's going to try to back that up because it was short notice. It wasn't that goddamn short notice <laughs> fight that Romero couldn't make weight. Cut it out. He had like two months to make weight. Chill. But that's not the worst part about it is we have Romero and Whitaker again, and that fight was not competitive past the second round. So why should we see it again? And Rocco, maybe he's got to move light heavyweight. The guy needs a reboot. He's clearly, there's something not clicking with Rocco at this point. He should probably and go back so, to AKA too. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that could help. But it's just ultimately, he didn't use the tools that he has to win the fight. And maybe he slept on Romero a little bit, just like he did with Bisping and ended up getting caught. Because he was lazy when he got caught with that shot. He, he needs to retool. But the middleweight division, I'm glad there's no interim champion. Um, I, you couldn't have told me two years ago that Robert Whitaker would be sitting on top of this division because he got mauled by Wonder Boy. And here he is as the champion of 185. But then, better question is, who gives a fuck about the UFC? <laughs> that's, that's a whole different podcast. That's, yeah, that's, no. that's way too in depth. AJ, what do you see in this one, man? You asked what went wrong. I, I could, you know, it'd be a shorter list of telling you what went right. Um, you know, the knockout was pretty much the best thing about. Uh, about that card, you know, and it's just emblematic of all of the issues uh, that UFC has had leading up to and and through the sale. You know, Dre says it all the time. WME brought a, bought a lemon, but you know, I think they're doing a lot to to fuck it up too. Yeah, way too way <laughs> yes. too many cards, man. Way too many cards. Because if you put this weekend's card combined with that pay per view card last week, you have a pretty damn good card, top to bottom. Like you, the. the Main event this week would have been a great third fight last week with Cowboy on the card versus Maderos. And then uh, Sage Northcutt is on this card. Sage would have been great for the prelims last week. You can buy, you just take away one card a month and make it two cards a month one on FS1 or Fox and one on pay per view, and everything's fixed. Oh, the star, the star power is not fixed, but at least you got deep ass cards again. 221 should have been on free TV like they used to do with Spike when they'd have cards in, like, Europe back in the day when they had to damn near beg people to watch, you know, mixed martial arts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't built for the prime time. Um, Dre, I thought Rockhold had a, a good I, – I thought he had a good game plan, though. He got caught, and his chin is suspect now. The chin never recovers. But I thought he had a great game plan. Um, if you're not going to wrestle, because I think he was scared to death to wrestle a guy like that, um, he attacked the leg, and we saw Romero have to be carried out of the cage after the third round. So you go to the leg. He was chopping down the tree, and, you know, he won the first round, in my opinion, lost the second and third, but you get out of the third, you win the fourth and fifth because the be- guy could barely stand, and he gasses all the damn time. So I, I mean, he just got caught too early. He was two minutes away from winning that shit because he went on a fourth and a fifth, and the guy could barely stand. 
I mean, the leg kicks were great. It just you didn't give the man a different look. That's all I'm saying. It's like yeah. with Romero, you got to give him a different look. He's he's looking at the same thing for three rounds and th- thinking, well, I could explode on him because he's going to be there. It's not like he's going to ever shoot for a takedown. And the crazy thing about Romero is this: he's an Olympic wrestler, but he doesn't really use his wrestling to win fights. He knocks people the fuck out. Yeah. So it's like if if you get taken down and Rocco is pretty decent off of his back. Maybe you could work your way out of something here, but to stay in there with him for a long time, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can look at it and say that he made some mistakes, but it's true. You have to give a fighter like Romero who explodes. He's not a combination. He, he's kind of robotic with his striking, but he explodes. you got to give him something to think about, and the leg kicks were something to think about, but you never really changed levels on the guy. You never gave him a different look, and... Ultimately, it's what costs you. And, yeah, he did get caught. He left that, whatever he threw was, a kick or a punch. He left that shit out there too long, and it came back to haunt him. So, I mean, kudos to Yoel Romero. I mean, the guy has beaten a who's who of the middleweight division. Uh, and and he's an exceptional fighter. Uh, but, you know, again, who cares? It's the middleweight division of the UFC. Yeah. And I don't think he's beating Whitaker in the rematch. So, he, he's one of those guys, bride made, never the bride. Yo, I don't. You know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know. Like as good as Whitaker has been, it, it, I'm not gonna say he's like Derek Brunson, but he's beaten a lot of people. But he can get caught, man. Like Romero could beat him in the rematch. It's not like Robert Whitaker is unbeatable. No, by he's, no means. He's clicking right now, but Robbie Lola was clicking too, and Tyron Woodley watched that ass. So it's like <laughs> it happens to the best of them. Robert Whitaker against Yoel Romero. Robert Whitaker's not like a fluid striker like Rockhold is. There are things that Robert Whitaker, he's got great takedown defense. It's just that Romero's going to have to pace himself better in the rematch. See, that's, and that's really all there is to it. When you've got knockout power, you're always in the fight. Yeah, but he doesn't have the gas tank to match. And that's, that's, But that's a long 15 minutes with a guy that only has to catch you once. Yeah, Whitaker, Whitaker showed what you do, though, is you take your chance of getting knocked out in the first and second round. So he went balls to the wall for the first and second round, and Romero had his chance. Romero swung wildly. He went for several takedowns. He did all this shit in the first and second round to win that fight and had nothing left for the third, fourth, and fifth. And Whitaker said, I got you. Idiot. What Rockhold did was said, I'm sitting back and letting you dictate when you explode. Instead of just going all out, attacking Romero and saying, Romero, you got to match my pace and you're going to gas out before me. And that's where he went wrong. And it, it all fucked up from there. So uh, that was the main event. We saw Curtis Blades wrestle Mark Hunt, blah, blah, blah. Blades is now top five. They just need to use movement and heavyweight. So Trash. why the fuck not? Everybody's like 37 plus anyway. There's a bunch of old men in there. Give Blades a shot. Um, Tuivasa uh, did a truffle shuffle. From the Goonies, the big man belly roll is dope as a celebration. I say we need more flabby big man guts to celebrate in the UFC. And he drank beer out of a boot. Or some type of sneaker. It was disgusting. (laughs) I guess he says they do that shit all the time. He said they usually do with a boot and everybody spits in it and then you drink it. That's That's It's called a booty. I don't don't know. It's it's some shit in Australia. Um, Those Aussies are crazy. And then the real star of the show, though, before we move on real quick to our other topics, is Israel Adesanya. And uh, Israel is dope. K-1 
came in, took a piss on the side of the octagon, it looked like. He did that. It was funny. Came in and watched his opponent, 28 years old. Uh, great striking. His highlight video was crazy. And people are championing him already as the next John Jones. Is that fair or unfair? Unfair. Like, why are we even doing this to this kid? And I mean, he's 28. He's not even a kid. But we do this a lot. We see a guy beat up somebody who's not worth shit. And we go, man, he's next. No, he's got to beat some people. Like, he'll get a prime spot, which is cool. Um, his striking was great. I thought he looked really good. But the next John Jones, I mean, even if he is, temper expectations. Yeah, can you be surprised it. about something? Like, can't, we can't even be surprised about anything in the UFC anymore. We're disappointed by everything because Dana grows up, goes out there and blows his fucking horn and tells you who the next big thing is, and they all fucking lose. And then, so what do you have left? And so it's like with this guy, I mean, he's he, like, again, he looks good, but John Jones? Come on. John Jones is arguably, without the cocaine, the greatest pound for pound fighter we've ever seen. To be fair, I think he needed the cocaine to do that. So it's let's possible. not separate the two. We didn't know that at the time, though. No, no, no. But, I mean, you know, it, just, it happens that we might now know he was fueled by the cocaine. But, uh, yeah, the next John Jones is lofty because John Jones was a champion for three years by this point. By the age of 28. He was a champion for three years, right? But John right. Jones wasn't built as John Jones until, you know, he had actually done some things in, in the octagon. Like, his first fight, I think, was, like, Stephen Bonner? It was... Was it Stephen Bonner or was it Jake O'Brien? C-100 was his first fight, or was it before that? No, nah, I think it was before that. Because uh, he fought Bonner and he fought Jake O'Brien. I always forget who he fought first. But I remember I saw both of those fights. Yeah, and that's... He, let's see. He, and even still, it was like, yeah, you're right, AJ. It was like you look and you saw John Jones, and nobody was trumpeting John Jones that soon. I, I don't think it was until he absolutely murdered... Uh, what was that? Uh, Later was the, the, the match before the title shot. Yeah, but no, it was a fight before that. He headlined the fight. I went to it in San Diego. It was it was a janitor. Um, Vladimir, just, uh, Andre uh, Guzmao? No. That was his first fight, know. Minneapolis. Oh, and then Stefan Bonner, Jake O'Brien, Matt Hamill, who he destroyed, but got DQ'd. Yeah, the only the only real loss on his record, the only loss on his record. Yeah, that was that Roy Jones loss. That was like that was like <laughs> you got lucky, motherfucker. I'm gonna kill you. And then um, Brad- that's what that was. Vladimir uh, Matashenko. Yes, yes, Matashenko, and he got and when John Jones murdered him and he crucifixed him and just plowed him with elbows. That's when John Jones arrived because then the Bader fight came and people were at that point people were like, okay, John Jones is serious. Bader will be his first test. But it took how many? That's like four fights. This dude yeah. had one fight. The Brandon <laughs> Vera fight raised a little. They raised some eyebrows too because that that yeah. bruise that he put on uh, Vera's head. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Right yeah, but yeah, it was action. John- it was all action. Like it wasn't talk. It was you watched John Jones progress, and you were like, "Yo, he's gonna kick some ass." It wasn't like one fight against somebody, and you're like, "He's next." We gotta stop doing that, man. We got we, we're setting people up for failure. Uh yeah. I mean. The Stephen Bonner fight looks great, but I guess before that Bader fight, like, who did he fight? Like, I guess he was, he was fat. He looked impressive with all his fights, but his resume wasn't, like, that deep before then either. No, no, not at all. He was fast-tracked, too. So hopefully they, I don't want them to move this kid too fast, but if they do, you know, protect him against strikers. I don't need to see this guy with his back on the ground. You know, don't, don't feed him to a guy like um, the young kid they fed to Frankie Edgar. Which was a oh, Yair Rodriguez? Yair Rodriguez, who ended up with his back on the mat for three rounds. 
just looking fucking helpless. Like, don't do that. Like, just Yo, can, slow the kid down. Can, can we admit that one of the biggest things that the UFC did was allow Joe Silva to walk away? Their matchmaking has been pretty fucking bad lately. Well, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a puppet show, right? Like, they, they let the guy who actually knew how to matchmake get away purposely so WME can say, we want control. We want to put the people we believe can succeed on a mainstream level at the forefront. And it shit hasn't worked out. Because they, for some reason, for a company that doesn't care about rankings, they're trying to shoot these kids up the rankings. Like, if you don't give a fuck about rankings, like, you're going to give a guy who's ranked 7th or 8th a title shot. What the hell are you putting in guys like Yari Rodriguez against the second best fighter in that weight class? Just have him fight a bunch of cans and jump Frankie. This is like WWE style building, but you know the fights are real. Like you, you got to win. Yeah, yeah, yep. no, they're taking L's out of nowhere. So um, that kid's antics and his mic work, though, A plus, A plus. He he has the talk. He talks the talk, and that's half the battle nowadays. And I wouldn't be surprised. Not this fight. Probably a fight after he'll be headlining one of the FS1 cards. Yay. <laughs> you're not you're not enthused um all right so we we're gonna take a break but you know what we spent a lot of time on all this random shit so let's speed through it uh touch on boxing a little bit danny garcia is coming up this weekend against rios are you gonna be in town uh, for that fight am i gonna be what are you in town for that fight or are you jet yeah yeah no i'm going out of town and i'm gonna come back for the fight but <laughs> it's hard. you sound enthused like, to be at the mandalay you know, bay Listen, man, like, I don't, people think there's certain people that I don't like certain people. Like, I have no problem with Danny Garcia as an individual because I don't know him. I could care less. But his matchmaking has been absolutely terrible. Um, ever, like, ever since he fought Matisse and beat Matisse on the Floyd Mayweather undercard, he has been squeaking by fighters he should beat, the Lamont Petersons of the world, the Mauricio Herreras, who I thought Mauricio Herrera beat him. Um... And now he's fighting Brandon Rios, who clearly is washed. Like, this is not the dangerous Brandon Rios that was fighting at 130. We got to remember, like, this is this is Brandon Rios fighting at 147, who always struggled with weight. I'm not looking forward to this fight because what does it even do for Danny Garcia? And then Danny Garcia had the nerve to say that um, uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence need to fight each other before they fight him. That's where he <laughs> fucked up. That, and that wasn't even Angel Garcia saying that. That was Danny Garcia saying that. Like, come on, man. Like, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence have to fight each other before they fight you? No, one of them needs to whoop your ass because you're over here. They call him the cherry picker, but I don't even know if it's completely his fault or if it's Al Hayman's fault, but he's being matched up with fighters who have names but are no longer any good. So I'll be ringside for the fight, but I'll probably be checking my fantasy bet. No, it's All-Star Weekend. I'll probably be watching NBA All-Star Weekend on my computer. Like, yo, I, I don't. This fight, I don't care, man. I don't care. This is a this is not a good fight. No, I think it's a uh, once again. But <clears throat> I think <clears throat> he's one of the faces of you know the, their promotion. So they gotta let him win sometime. I mean, he's been feed winning. Him. He only has one loss. No, but he just looked shitty in a couple fights. The Thurman fight wasn't even close. Um, even though I just found out he lost that by split decision. Yes, because Keith Thurman took his foot off the gas a la Oscar De La Hoya and Phoenix Trinidad. Like, you, that, that was Keith's problem. Keith could have walked out of that there with like a, a 9-3 edge, and he ended up winning a split decision because he took his foot off the gas. But Danny Garcia has won fights. 
Like, we'll see how many people are at the Mandalay Bay this weekend. How about that? That we'll see how many people are at the fight. Yeah, that's unfair because we know no, there's not, not going to be a lot of people at that damn fight. Well, exactly. Facts. Facts. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be me, you, the popcorn person who brings you snacks. No, nah, man. And like she 10 left. other people. <laughs> <laughs> my snack person left, man. She moved. Oh, ain't so that I'm, a shit. I don't get my, my, my snack pack. So I'm just going to be there. Like, with the terror. Like, it's Manly Bay, too. No Shake Shack. Come on, man. I'm begrudgingly going to this fight. <laughs> That's what hurts the most. No Shake Shack. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what they're really doing with him. It's not productive. Like, I, I, it's killing time. But sooner or later, he's going to get fed to Errol Spence. Or he's going to get fed to Sean Porter. Just, he's going to be one of those guys. He's the stepping stone guy for that side. He's going to be Adrian Broner without the grabbing chicks by the vag. That that's what he's gonna be. With that's his career. He'll make decent amount of money for it, but he should have stayed his ass on one forty. One forty cleared out now. He can have a ball down there, but one forty seven, he ain't built for that life at all. And uh, you say you don't dislike many boxers. That is false. I believe you dislike Jesse Vargas with a passion. I don't, like not even him as a person. Not as a person, just, just his his boxing career. Yeah, the guy just kind of he's been getting over for so many years, and I mean he kind of put it together against Saddam Ali. But other than that, like he didn't deserve no Manny Pacquiao fight. Shit happens anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's boxing because I mean shit, we don't got too much boxing to talk about every week. Like boxing's been on a long hiatus and slumber, so that shit will wake up around what May fifth. Let's let's check back in there. We'll see what Deontay Wilder brings here in a couple of weeks. Um, that means, now that all that shit's out of the way, it's wrestling time. Uh, yeah, yeah, the gloves come off here. Let me, uh, prepare myself. No goddamn it, Kel moments. This is what, this is what I gotta do when there's two people on this show, because y'all will be quick to jump on me and never let me get out of that circle, especially Andreas. He likes having someone here to, to back up his wild old man shit. So. Don't, I don't, don't get confused. I don't need anybody to back you into a corner. <laughs> no, you just, you just <laughs> like having it. <laughs> it's fun to see other people witness the shit that I got to listen to deal with every goddamn week. Let's talk about New Japan and the Bullet Club breakup before we dive into WWE and all this shit that upset Andreas, which is surprising because you were talking shit about the WWE mid-fucking facial and manicure, it looks like. So that really tells you something and that it really upset you with SmackDown this week. So we'll get into that in a second. Let's start with New Japan. You know, keep, keep the mood light. Uh, Bullet Club breaking up. Where does this go? Because it, it's it's all up in the air. We see the Golden Lovers are back. We they still have being the elite, but the elite really isn't on there because Kenny Omega is not part of it. Those shows as much anymore. Where does this go? Do we have a, the elite versus Bullet Club separation? Do we just keep the Bullet Club? Is the elite still in it? Where do you see it going? Like if, if you had to peg it, where should it go? AJ, what do you see? You're, you're oh, going man. down. You, you love all the New Japan shows and ROH shows. So this is one of those situations where knowing that the results are pre-scripted really, like, fucks up the experience. Because you think about other stuff other than, like, what's in the ring. So you got the Elite, and you got all that, that merchandise money from, like, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and the, and the Hung Bucks over in the States. So I think you see the Bucks and Omega stay together. I think... Uh, if you're looking from a straight wrestling, no business standpoint, like they should probably just kick Cody out of the group. <laughs> Cody, get the hell out of here. 
But if that means Cody, I don't think Cody's strong enough to be the leader of the New Japan Bullet Club. He's not Cody, AJ Styles. Cody's not even signed to New Japan. Oh, yeah. So it, No, they got to kick his ass out the group. Yeah, he, he serves no place. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Cody Rhodes. Like, like I, I, his entering leaves a lot to be desired. Cody's building up for that, that WWE return. He'll be, he'll be Cody Rhodes before he retires again. Guaranteed. Damn shame. Dre, where do you think this goes? I don't know. I, I hope it just doesn't go towards an NWO-type Wolfpack thing. Um, the, the smart thing, it, it, AJ's right, because, you know, the, the money is where, where Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks go. Everybody else in the Bullet Club over in New Japan don't make any movement in the States. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who ends up where, uh, which makes you wonder, are they going to bring somebody else in? Because Cody's not here for the long haul. Um, and Marty Skrull, I don't feel like he's the guy to lead the Bullet Club either. Wait, so, so you think Cody's going back to the E? <laughs> Cody's not back, immediately, but eventually. He'll, he'll be eventually back. Like this isn't like this isn't a long term thing. It's not like Kenny. Like Kenny, I feel like is in New Japan for a while. Uh, Cody's not signed in New Japan. He 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 does the ROH stuff, but he's just kind of here. Um, for and not it's a little bit longer than a cup of coffee, but he's here, so they're gonna make the most of him. But uh, he's he isn't the guy to lead the Bullet Club in the New Frontier. So it'll it I'm interesting because New Japan rarely fails me with their long term booking. Um, so maybe they got an ace up their sleeve. I don't know. I, I clearly I don't think Kenny Omega will be leading the Bullet Club by the end of the year. Um, I think he'll be gone in some capacity, and maybe it will be split off into the elite. But if the Young Bucks aren't in the Bullet Club. Who does the Bullet Club really have? Tamatanga. Man, it, I have this thing about... I, yo, I, <laughs> no, like, on the real, though, you laugh, but, like, the guy needs a push, right? Like, you got, it's I time think, to shit or get off the pot. He's, like, Tamatanga, I've said this before, like, he looks like a star, but... He's not a leader. Yeah, that's, that's like, he's not, he, he's not here to lead. Like, it would be like Randy Orton leading Evolution back in the day. He wasn't built for that. Like he was built to break away from evolution. He wasn't built to lead evolution. Tamatanga doesn't feel like a guy who's leading the Bullet Club. It feels like they need another American from somewhere with some kind of name recognition to step in. Um, and Cody's just like, yeah, talent-wise, he's not that guy. He could talk. He's like the Miz, but I don't know, man. It's it's, it's interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. I'm I'm gonna stay tuned to it, but uh, shrug. <laughs> Does Ibushi join the Elite or Bullet Club? Or is this like just a quick space filler? I see. uh, So when you throw Ibushi into the mix, I could could see Kenny getting the boot and uh, totally and and going and doing the tag team now that he's not the champ anymore. A run at the tag team titles wouldn't be bad. That division needs new blood anyway. Yeah, my my only concern is I feel like Kenny and Kota Ibushi are a tag team, but for like certain situations, they're not like a real tag team. I can't see like Kenny Omega not making a run at the IGPW IGPW heavyweight title. I can't see him not going that route after losing the U.S. title. I can't see him being him and Kota Ibushi being in a tag program and tag team champions. 
I could be wrong. Maybe they do make a run at the title. I mean, there's but, a uh, lot of time between now and New, you know Wrestle Kingdom next year. I don't think Okada loses the belt before Wrestle Kingdom. So well, there's some interesting things. Like we just had the New Japan show, uh, New Beginning in Osaka, where uh, Okada defeated uh, Sonata, um, and Okada also announced that he'll be competing in the New Japan Cup this year, which the world the champion never does. Um, but it feels like they're going to start. It feels like. Maybe they're setting up Okada to lose because he's kind of putting himself in a position where he's going to be doing a lot. And uh, he's held the title for, what, 600 days now? Yeah, this something crazy. crazy. Yeah, I mean, so, he'll he lose could, something in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, like, but see, that's the crazy thing. Like, Okada could lose a G1 and lose the New, the, uh, the New Japan World Cup. He's still a champion. Right. So it only sets up vulnerability. And whoever gets over on him, it sets up a match later on down the line. So it'll be interesting who his next rival is because it's clear uh, that uh, Naito and his crew couldn't cut the mustard. Like, they all lost to Chaos. All of them did over the past couple weeks. So Which is they, weird, because then you, you had Evil that uh, beat Okada in the G1, and then, right. like, nothing came of it. Well, he yeah, he got his title shot, and he lost, because Okada never loses at the big show. But Los Encargonables, their opponent, is they have basically... Maybe there's going to be some dissension with those guys, but they got washed in the past couple of weeks by chaos. Osprey beat uh, Takahashi. Evil lost to Gato. I mean, not Gato, um, Goto. And uh, Okada beat Sonata. So it's like, who's the next person going to step up? Jay White has been teased that he's going uh, to challenge Okada. And I think that's going to happen on the minor show. Yeah, but he's like, not ready to take that strap. You don't well, no, bypass no. everyone that you just bypass to give Jay White the title. Well, I mean, ultimately, you just have to have people for Okada to beat before you set up his true rival for Wrestle Kingdom, whoever wins G1. Jay White won't be that guy, but he may be the guy who turns on Okada because he's in chaos right now at the New Japan World Cup and puts himself in position right before G1 to face Okada. That might be his next rival. I tell you what would be perfect, and we'll see if it becomes, you know, if it comes of it, you never know with New Japan, but I would love for Neville to get his release and go back and be the surprise entrant in G1 this year and win it. Well, he won't win it. That, it just doesn't happen. Like, you usually build years into it. I would love to see that happen. I would I love to see it. Neville just go straight in, red hot, win it, heal Neville, like we saw in fucking Cruiserweight Classic, but just taking off and him and O'Connor put on one hell of a match. Nah. You got Mysterio uh, on deck, too. Uh, is that not a one-off? Could be. He's that, fighting Juice and Thunder Liger, so it's like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Mysterio's fighting someone who's 80 years old. Yeah, but I, Neville's kind of built for their cruiserweight division. I mean, Neville versus Osprey is some shit that we'd all like to see. That'd be dope. I, that, I don't necessarily want to see him in the heavyweight title picture because he's a little guy. Well, but, but uh, isn't that, he doesn't want to be stuck in the Super Juniors. Like, isn't that why he's who, leaving WWE? No, because Super Juniors in New Japan is actually mean something. 205 Live is trash. <laughs> so being stuck in that kind of purgatory, yeah, you want your release. But being in the, the New Japan, because like Kenny Omega was a super junior. Yeah, and, and then wanted so, to like, bump up. Yeah, but you graduate. So Neville can graduate and gradually make his way towards the title. In WWE, once you're in 205 Live, that's like purgatory. It's like it's a wrap. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I think he's paid his dues to kind of bypass that rule and go straight to the heavyweight division and plus he's big as hell now it's not like he's tiny neville now he's still short 
some, yeah. yeah, he's still a little guy. Yeah, he's, we, like, he's like Mysterio. Like Mysterio's in the gym, but he's, he's still a little guy. Mysterio was ripped. Thank God they don't test part timers. Yo, he was juiced to the gills. <laughs> God damn, he was juiced. That was but, crazy. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Raw real quick. We'll run down. Bailey beat Sasha. Still no heel turn. What bullshit is this? I'm upset. Tag team scene is kind of going nowhere. I don't know who's challenging for the tag team titles next. We have Nia attacking Asuka, uh, or Nia versus Asuka coming up at the pay-per-view, but they're not having any build. Nia somehow was in the Bailey-Sasha beef. Um, Fatal five-way match, and that was pretty much raw in a nutshell. So where do we start? I'd say my angst for Sasha Banks not turning heel. Are they wasting uh, away, or is she just not going to be on Mania? Well, what's going? this is going to probably be a pre-show match. Uh, Sasha, Bailey, and Nia Jax in a three-way. Because clearly Oscar's going to either be going for the title or Ronda Rousey. The latter I don't want to see. But uh, there's not enough room for Sasha, Bailey, and Nia Jax to do anything else but wrestle each other. And I can't see Absolution being involved in that. I, I don't want to see like a huge multi-women match. But with Nia attacking the both of them to try to prove a point, and Nia clearly is going to lose to Oscar. I feel like this is the only route that you can go for the true heel turn of Sasha Banks be, to have somebody else involved in that feud. And Nia's been booked kind of shitty to begin with. So, yeah, this might be a WrestleMania pre-show match. Oh, all right. Putting Bay on the pre-show. AJ, what do you think? Uh, I mean, Sasha's one of those people that, like, the heel turn will all, always be there. So it doesn't necess- they don't necessarily need to pull the trigger even though they should. It, Bailey is the one, you know, really that's suffering here. She's like, you know, Sami Zayn prior to uh, his run at the WWE title. Bailey is much better when she's on the chase um, and when she's chasing that adversity. The problem is she never gets on the chase. It, it feels like she's a she's a superstar that loses all the time, and it, it's hard for people to get behind that. Yeah, I feel you. That's. They didn't build it up right. Like, they gave her the belt too fast. She never felt like an underdog. Yep. She was Bingo. just the champion who lost and could never regain her footing. And that's where they, they fucked up from the get-go. And it's hard to hit the reset button. Uh, they got to have her lose for like a year. Like, Cien Almas. Like, just go on a long-ass losing streak. So people forget that you're even fucking good. The only problem is the women's division lacks depth. Even though they got more women, there's just not enough women for Bailey to lose every week. Because they're just be like, <laughs> fuck it, just cut her. Like, if she's just going to lose to Lisa Fox, just get rid of her. But there's just there's not enough depth. So um, it's weird because there's not enough depth, depth, but there's just way too much talent on, on, on both shows. But they got to do something with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, she could lose to yeah. every member of the fucking Absolution. There's enough, there's enough women there to beat her ass every week. it's not fun anymore anymore. and then with with bailey you know you never that's somebody that that, you just have to turn the corner it's like with johnny gargano who you know fan favorite loses a bunch they turn the corner at the right time with bailey she just keeps losing (laughs) well now she beat sasha but that's just setting her up to lose um right yeah in the coming weeks so it doesn't even matter uh, tag team scene, we really don't see anything. For some reason, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are still a thing in the tag team. Dog. Championship mix, which makes no sense because you have the revival, you have the club, 
pull the trigger on one of them because obviously well, you need a mania match. Well, I think the issue here is injuries. I think like WWE is trying the, the writers are trying to write themselves out of some shit because clearly Rollins and Ambrose were supposed to be the tag team. Like Rollins is the odd man out in all of this. Yeah. And they've kind of had to reset everything that he needed to do because you had Rollins and Ambrose and you had Rollins and Jason Jordan and now there's nobody. So <laughs> Rollins and Reigns. Right. So like the revival and um, Gallows and Anderson, I don't think we're ever supposed to be part of that tag team picture going into WrestleMania. But you're right. At this point, you kind of played the revival by making them look like complete douches at the anniversary show. So you could have built them up to be a legit tag team. Um, but they haven't. And Gallows and Anderson has been played like douches as well for the past year. So even when they win, it's like so like nobody cares. Like the tag team division is in a little bit of turmoil right now where you can't find a tag team that's legit to face the bar. Yeah. So I, I have a, no idea where they're going. It's a damn shame because they the bar, if you pay attention, or not the bar, the club, the only matches they've won the past couple of weeks is when Finn fills in. Yeah. Finn fills yeah. in. He gets the pin, then they could win. As a tag team together, they lose every match. So yeah. it's like, it's time to do something. Hopefully, at Elimination Chamber, they let them and um, and the Revival go at it. The winner gets the tag team match at WrestleMania. You can only have so many triple threats. Yeah. And crazy shit. So you're going to have a tag team triple threat at Mania? Like, I feel like it's too much. It's what happens when you have too much talent. They just start trying to cram them all into this card. It's a damn shame. Um, so the best moment of Raw, Braun Strowman comes out. Come on, like, listen, <laughs> we're, we're, we've gotten to the point with Braun Strowman where it's 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 organic now. Like, you can get these hands. I don't think was something that happened in the writers' room. I think there was some shit that Braun said, and it's just catching on. And the guy's just he's a star. Um, he should have never lost to Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, I think like last year I said this, like when you beat the giant, it's like King Hippo, they expose their weakness, but they figured out a way to keep Braun still strong. But the problem now is how does he not win Elimination Chamber? How does he not win the belt? How does he not beat Lesnar? He's been crushing Lesnar all the damn time lately. No, but there, there, therein lies your other issue is the fact that we've seen this shit already. That's the biggest problem with WrestleMania right now in the raw title picture is Brock has already faced just about everybody that you could face for the title that's worth a damn. So, like, we've seen him in Braun. We've seen him in, like, they kind of kept him away from Roman, but he was still in, like, multi-man matches with Roman Reigns. So we're in a position where nothing feels fresh. Like, if, if we get a Braun, Roman, and Brock triple threat, we've seen that before, minus Samoa Joe. We've seen everything they've had to offer. So I, I really don't know how you paint yourself out of this corner. Um, I don't know either. And it'll be a damn sh- Like, I don't want to see Brock Roman one-on-one, though. That's what you're going to no, get. Absolutely not. I need, to see, I need to see something else. Like, if it's one-on-one, it better be like Hell in the Cell. It, it has to be something that feels grand. And they're indoors I, this year, right? So you can do Hell in the Cell? Yeah, but I hope not. Yeah. Um. I don't want that. Like I, every scenario that you that you speak of, like all involves Brock Lesnar, and I'm at the point where I I don't want to see Brock Lesnar. In the title Someone picture. gotta take him out, take the belt I off. Of him, though. Like, like like we've seen Braun Strowman develop this personality, and the fans have gotten behind him. And this thing with Elias this week was excellent. Um, him bringing out the goddamn bass and playing it like a guitar, and then breaking it with his hand, and then singing like in a normal <laughs> voice. There was so many great things about Braun Strowman that you sit back and you go, well. 
What what else can he do? Mm-hmm. Like, if he loses, where does he go? It doesn't make any sense for him to lose in Elimination Chamber. And if he loses, ultimately, Elimination Chamber is going to be set up to build some separate feuds heading into WrestleMania. Yeah. So whoever pins Braun Strowman is probably going to be the person he fused with going into WrestleMania. What's it going to be, him and Finn Balor, the demon and Braun Strowman? No, I think I think we get Finn versus Miz, and they're the yeah. two that start their, their program off of that. And then, you know, Roman Reigns, I think, still has to win. I think the way you set up the triple threat, which is shitty to end a pay-per-view on a shenanigans ending, um, and we kind of saw this a little bit SmackDown-wise, but I, I think... You have to have them do a simultaneous pin. Oh, we just saw that. We just saw. I that know, this week. but you have to do the simultaneous pin. Both guys get the pin, just like we just saw with fucking Finn and, and know, Rollins. And you got to do the simultaneous yeah. pin. They both get the shot at Lesnar. I mean, nah, give me like the old school double shoulders down backslide finish. You know, Flair and Steamboat style. Oh, I like that. That's not a bad thing either. They both pin each other. Well, you're not getting any of those. I'm going to tell you guys that right now. You're not going to get any, any of those. And then further One arm over each other's chest to finish nah, it? No, no. You're not getting any of those shenanigans. This gonna, Roman Reigns is probably going to win this thing clean. Oh, um, that means he has to pin Braun clean at the end. Has to be those possibly. two, final two, clean. Yeah, probably. So oh. here's the thing. Even if Finn, Finn Balor, like this Finn Balor Miz thing, I don't think happens. Where I think it could happen because I feel like Finn has no direction. And I hate to say this, but what if we are trending towards Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, and Finn Balor, where we have this mystical, magical, Fuck weird no. ass given No, they gave no, they gave up on the Finn fucking pumpkin king. No. Are, are you sure about that? Because yeah. the demon's coming out of WrestleMania. Yeah, but not yeah. in this way. No. No. If you, if that'll, that'll, be the, that'll be the longest crawl to the ring. Like, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like Finn doesn't have any direction. I don't. I hope they don't go that route. It just feels like somebody in the writer room. I guarantee has pitched that idea, like a demon. And they should have been slapped right there but, on site. It feels like you have three weird characters that could all have three great entrances and then have a very weird match that nobody will want to see. No, but, but I, it, I feel like oh. if the demon is undefeated at pay per views, right? I feel like you might, they might be trending that route to have the Demon and Braun Strowman. No, I, I, I think they go Rollins. It'll be Rollins, Finn, Miz, triple threat, IC title. I don't see that. Just no. because Rollins and Finn have the beef from this week. They're going to play up that beef a little bit more next week um, with the double pin and all that stuff. And they're going to get a feud between those two. And then I think we see them inserted on the Miz. And on the 25th anniversary, after it went off air, they made sure that Rollins came over um, to the MSG, or not that, but the New York City venue, and made sure he showed up and he did the pointing at uh, The Miz and saying, that's going to be my title. Finn was in the ring. I think there's a lot of promo shit that can be worked through that. I think we see those three guys carry the IC program moving forward. I see a multi-man ladder match for the IC title. No, I can't do that because I see that for the U.S. title. Mm, you might get two of them no. then. <laughs> <laughs> too, many too many like, ladders. Too many ladders at that point. Like, Elias needs something to do. Finn needs something to do. Rollins needs something to do. Miz like needs something to do. I like what was mentioned in the group chat. Elias is going to catch this old school superstar beatdown. 
Possible. He's going to come out but singing, and then some fucking Goldberg's going to spear him after they, <laughs> his Hall of Fame uh, speech. They all need something to do. And, and again, WrestleMania is too much talent, and you got to put six men somewhere. Yeah. You might get two six-man matches. God, I, like, just, we're going to talk about SmackDown in a minute. SmackDown is completely directionless right now. There's it's Andre the Giant shit. Just give him the Andre the Giant shit. Give, give that to, to Elias. Fuck it. Let him win it. Why not? Um, now let's talk about SmackDown. Fuck it. Owens and Zayn come out. I like the opening promo. I like the opening thing with the attack. And I didn't. Ziggler comes say, back and did nothing. Can I tell you why I didn't like this? You had why? a bunch of heels beating each other up. Why the fuck was this? Why, why did this happen? I mean, they ain't got shit else to do. And, and you got and like two heels that are just wreaking havoc anyway. Fuck it. That, that is a problem. Is like you have Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn beating up Baron Corman and Dolph Ziggler. Like for Dolph Ziggler to disappear to come back and like he, now he's in the title. Pick, it was like this is this is a piss poor booking. Like SmackDown is trash now. Like SmackDown <laughs> has been tr- for the past few weeks. We have kind of like we're still teasing Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, which something has to happen with them at WrestleMania. But this whole Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn thing is stupid now because now even if one of them were to win the title at Fastlane. They don't feel like they've earned it because they've been made into a joke. Kevin Owens was on a great streak when he was feuding with Shane. And now him and Sammy are together and they're like, they just lost to Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. How are any of you going to beat AJ Styles? Right. Yeah, no one's beating AJ Styles. As soon as it got to the point where Nakamura, after the Rumble, said, fuck challenging for that championship. I'm going to face AJ Styles. Exactly. Which blew all intrigue. So it's again, it's the you know still real to me because even if Zayn or or Owens you know wins in Fastlane, they'll probably drop it the next Tuesday at SmackDown. <laughs> Word, because like somehow they have to cost each other the title, and people don't want to break up break them up yet. And it's been great for Sami Zayn to even get on TV, let alone to have a meaningful program. But fuck it, there's nothing else for the two to do. Nah, you can't break them up, man. Yeah, like, no, the, the really gimmick would be cool, like late summer, early exactly. fall, but not not for WrestleMania. Season. So then, only, the only other thing you can give them is a damn pre-show match against Strowman, against uh, Corbin and Ziggler. Corbin and Ziggler or, versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens on WrestleMania, and that's shitty. Or you find you go back to this whole Shane McMahon thing. Shane McMahon, like. I feel like there's a possibility that they're trying to figure out what they're doing with Daniel Bryan. Like, they're trying to figure out if he can wrestle, if he can do anything. You could see Sammy and Kevin against Shane and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. I thought Daniel Bryan and Shane are going against each other. Don't be so sure about that. I wouldn't mind a three-on-three. Now, if you say, like, you know, you give me two other people on the other side and you, you give me that, I wouldn't mind that. I'm just saying, we can all agree that the Shane and Daniel Bryan thing is dragged on way too long. They need to come to a conclusion sooner than later. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see Bryan going back into the ring with all the lawsuits and stuff going on now. No, I, I, yes. think, I think this is the way to get his ass out of the GM role. It's like, it's going to be either me or you, loser leaves town, your guy versus my guy, some shit like that. Like It could be, it could be Daniel Bryan's a special guest referee and Shane gets a, a tag partner. I have no idea who he could get a tag partner against. Like, I feel like it has to be something with Shane, Kevin, and Sammy because they've dragged this on for way too long. And if either of them are not the champ, 
Kevin Owens is too good to be on anybody's pre-show. He's too good to be fighting it at, uh, for any kind of U.S. title. He's got to be involved in some kind of marquee match that'll happen early in the pay-per-view, that nine-hour WrestleMania show. So it ha- I feel like it's got to be something involved with Shane. Oh, it has- I don't need to see another McMahon match. Like, do you understand we're getting every McMahon in the damn ring gonna, at WrestleMania? You're going to get it. So just oh, suck it up. Stephanie's going to have a fucking match. Triple H is going to be in the match. I'm done. I'm done. Be, it's unnecessary. The only, the only thing I want to see less is The Undertaker come back and wrestle. Oh, Lord. I'm done with that. Give Cena Maga someone take, fresh. Maga Taker. Oh, by the way, Cena versus Strowman wouldn't be a bad program to put Strowman over at Mania. Actually, damn, you might be right. You I forgot he was in that shit, too. Cena, Strowman, Cena put Strowman over at Mania isn't bad. That's probably going to be the direction. You, yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see that one coming. Because um, Strowman needs to beat somebody with with a name and yeah. somebody who's like a legend. And if he's not wrestling for the title, it'd have to be like him and John Cena have to get into it at Elimination Chamber. It's something, some shenanigans have to happen. Cena with has team. to eliminate him. Then that's the only way to make it build is that Cena eliminates Strowman. It's po- yeah, it's possible. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. AA off the top. Oh God, dude, shit! A big guy. Oh yeah, Ooh. if he goes off in one of the pods with the AA, Jesus. Well, I don't think you can do that. Oh, I think you yeah. hit the ceiling and then you die. I don't know. You can't swing. Oh, Strowman's a big ass dude. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you have him scale the the the, the ropes and then drop him from there. Ooh. So there, there oh, you yeah. have it. And but that still gives us Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns singles match. I mean, deal with it. That's and what we you all getting. fucked up now. Vince McMahon had a boner for this like two years ago. <laughs> like he he had a hard he had a geriatric hard on for this match two years ago, and he found a way to make you forget, make most people forget how much they hated Roman Reigns, and they've worked him back into the title picture. This was a long, meticulous plan. Like the shield was to, to shield Roman Reigns from the booze, the feuds <laughs> that he's been involved in, everything has been building up to this moment. You're not getting it like I'm sure a writer was like, yo, Braun Strowman should be in this match. And Vince McMahon was like, you're fired! And got rid of his ass. Because Vince's plan the entire time was for Roman and Brock to face each other one-on-one. And it's horrible. This is Vince's last hurrah. After this, he's going to go off, ride into a fucking sunset, go to the XFL, do his thing. This this is the last time we're giving Vince a ball. Last time. No, Vince is is not going to die. Like he's No, Vince and Donald Trump are going to live forever. Sorry. <laughs> Gonna outlive us all. Yep. It's a damn shame. Well, AJ, thank you for joining us. That we wrapped up our wrestling talk, brings the show to end. Let the people know where to follow you on social media. I am at uh just ant A N T one nine one four on Twitter. Fancy. Just ant one nine one four. Follow the Instagram. Look at his the he's just suave on the Instagram. Make sure you guys peep that. Uh, him and Andreas a little less, but AJ's going to show me how to grow out that luxurious beard. Him and Ryan McKinnell have these beards, and I just can't grow anything. You know, the facial hair gods have not blessed me yet, but we're going to figure patient. it out. There's no patience. Y'all have beards at like 15. I just saw a picture of Dre when he was 16, a full-ass chin strap. I wasn't 16. I was like 21. You were 20? No, in the top left of the picture you posted for Valentine's Day. I was Day. in that picture. You're what? It looked like you were in the hallways of Green Valley High School. 
Nah, man, I was at a Valley High School or some shit. You were at Lauren Hill concert. I'll never forget, because that's when me and my wife like first really started kicking it. I was at a Lauren Hill concert with a goddamn dragon Hawaiian shirt on. I was 21, Sam. <laughs> well, you looked like you were about 16. That, yeah, I look, yeah. The hairline was strong, by the way. Yo, I had curls, man. <laughs> Time flies. Yo, AJ, you got to have a picture with hair? Can we, uh, can we get this picture? Probably. It's on probably on the Instagram somewhere. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a few years since I've yeah. had hair. All right, we got to see this. Uh, these guys are bringing the hair back for 2018. Dre is a year older, so the old man shit is going to continue. I am going to look into getting the spa treatment and stepping my old man game up. But that is the show for this week. Make sure you guys follow us on social media, at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. I'm going to convince him to change that to Old Man Andreas permanently on Twitter. That is my goal for 2018. Thank you guys for showing up for another show. Next week, we'll be previewing Elimination Chamber, which is here in Vegas. Uh, we have a UFC card again because there's one every damn week. We have boxing. So, a lot of stuff to cover on next week's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, we're out. Peace. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.